Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Oh, I am suffering a bit of wrestling fatigue. It's been literally two weeks of non-stop content. I can't imagine how knackered you are having to cover it for WrestleTalk. Well, yeah, we are now basically almost a week removed from night two of WrestleMania. But there's definitely a night, a week before and a week after WrestleMania, like either side of it, that kind of totals up into one giant experience. And it's it's kind of surreal how burnout I got on it this time. I found myself the Monday, the Tuesday, and the Wednesday, kind of after WrestleMania, really working a bit slower, <laughs> making sure I took some time to, you know, have a cup of coffee and sit and play with the kid for an hour or so. You know what I mean? Like to really wind back into working like it took me a while man like i know i have the easiest job in the world who am i to complain i make silly youtube videos about wrestling but fucking hell that's a lot of wrestling to take in in one week i am a big fan of the two night wrestlemania but in our time zone where we are and also because this wrestlemania was pushed forward two weeks we Mm. didn't have daylight savings so it didn't mean mania started at midnight i tweeted um, when I noticed this on night one, when it it was going to start at 1am, knowing full well that it was going, they say it's going to be three hours. We always know it's going to overrun with its mania. Even when we had the pre-recorded stuff last year, it overran. Um, yeah. And then I thought, and now I'm going to have to do it on a Sunday. And then I've got to start work. I, you know, I've got to do a proper job because you know now I've got a job I really, really like and I really want to do well. I don't want to be doing like I did in my previous job where you get a little bit complacent and go, Ah, I could do this on two hours sleep, knowing full well at this time my child had tested positive for coronavirus and had been an absolute yeah. nightmare. Not her fault. You know, it's not her fault she's got a global plague. Uh, f- absolutely fine, by the way. Anyone who's uh, suddenly getting concerned that I'm just recording a podcast and not being uh, overly neglectful of my, my daughter's <laughs> health. Oh, she's got That was going to be my next question, <laughs> yeah. just so you know. I do care. Yeah, no, <laughs> just she, letting she, you talk. In, in all seriousness, had it not been for you know, doing lateral flow tests at home, uh, we yeah. wouldn't have picked it up. And if if this wasn't the COVID era, it mm. would be like my daughter would just had a little cough and we would just send her to nursery anyway because it's, oh, it's just yeah, a cough. Sure. So, But she was absolutely fine. A couple of nights which were ropey. But as you said, from a fatigue standpoint, I like the idea of a two-hour format of Mania, but doing it two nights in a row plus the enjoyment of a two-night takeover, fitting in AEW in between all of this, by the time night two of Mania came, I was like, thank God I know Raw is going to be terrible, so I don't even have to care about WWE until about SummerSlam now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm fine with the two days of WrestleMania, especially when they're going to give us all the good stuff on one night and then a bunch of shit on the second night with a good main event. Summed up WrestleMania <laughs> in one sentence right there. I think you'll find. <laughs> but it's it's the the three hours of dog shit Raw before. It's the hour of, okay, this is all right, NXT. Two hours of NXT, one hour? How long is that? I can't remember. Two hours. Two hours. It's the multiple hours, again, of bollocks SmackDown. It's the two nights of NXT pay-per-view where everyone works their fucking socks off. And so you feel burnt out, like three matches in. You're like, I can't take it anymore. I'm out of breath watching it, (laughs) you know? And then trying to give you like, you know, eight hours of WrestleMania over two nights with pre-shows, with podcasts, with (laughs) everything else attached to it. It's it's a lot, man, isn't it? And without 
having any of the access events without having I and mean, we haven't even mentioned Hall of Fame. Again, pre-recorded mm, and it, yeah, it was nice. Well. It was nice that everyone got their moment and I like this format about having an inductor come in and talk for an hour and then someone rabbiting on for an hour. I yeah. like this, but I still think that a lot of these inductees were really really short-changed basically saying, "Oh, you can go and do it to the Thunderdome crowd who definitely aren't live." And yeah. uh, I mean, conveniently, Big Dave Batista was like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm unavailable this year. <laughs> I, I want to get a bigger purse for this." And I mean, Hall of Fame. I, I very much enjoyed Nikki Bella thanking John Cena for everything. That was my uh, <laughs> that was my take home from the Hall of Fame. I enjoyed that. Sure. So, so how much of all of this did you watch? Do you watch? all of the hall of fame or just like clips from the hall I, of fame i watched clips from the hall of fame i watched both nights of takeover because again I'm, I'm in the very fortunate situation now where obviously working from home i could watch yeah. an hour of takeover in the morning whilst getting ready and sort of doing a bit of running uh, in in my room so you know it's treadmill-esque stuff watching the first hour i got to the watch COVID the other workout, hour yeah. yeah or as i like to call i don't have to talk to anyone workout or well, that too yeah Avoiding and then gyms. i could watch the other the other hour of my lunch break so i didn't stay up live to watch takeover but i watched it i consumed it the next day and the day after that and i said i watched both nights of mania live um my child basically i think over that mania weekend i had four hours sleep over three days oh dude ouch but uh, as we'll get to just seeing fans like that first that's first night and obviously we won't go into well obviously we'll go into it as we walk through it but just having fans there like just over twenty five thousand because we've got to beat the super bowl we've got to beat the super bowl because we promised we would because it's wwe we'll make up a number 25... yeah, Vince's ego needs to be rubbed you know yeah it has to get in there which i did enjoy the whole concept of drew mcintyre saying i'm going on first i'm going on first i want to be the first one to get a pop and then vince titus and hogan got the pops before drew <laughs> yeah i guess man and the weather oh man well i mean should we should we start with the weather yeah, let's just let's go through these two nights of WrestleMania. Like, I just to clarify, I pretty much watched everything before it and after it live because I felt it was kind of like I'm gonna. I went into the week of WrestleMania, so that first Raw before Mania, going right. I'm gonna see if I can watch everything live and really embrace it and go into every night with the attitude of I love wrestling. It's WrestleMania. Like, not my usual grumpy old man, fuck, it's not good enough kind of attitude I have with WWE especially. But, like, I tried to really, really embrace it this year. Specifically because I was doing a lot of the productions for us to talk. I was doing all the live reaction stream producing those. I was doing a lot of the reviews and the podcasts around it as well. Uh, as well as doing AEW and my usual editing kind of duties as well. So I was like, look, if I don't go into this with a positive attitude, I'm going to completely burn myself out. Two hours into that roar, I was like, no, nope, done. I can't do the third hour. It's fucking abysmal. But almost everything else I watched live and I, I generally enjoyed it. So if we go over just the two nights of WrestleMania, yeah, is that, that what we're going to do on this pod? Because, I mean, we haven't really, we're not going to go into detail like we usually do with, uh, I haven't got any notes for this pod. No, I'm this literally is just us go... riffing about the state of WWE and it's WrestleMania weekend. We've got to talk about it. You know? Yeah. And, and let's be honest, uh, listener, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched WrestleMania, I'm not sure what you're doing listening to our podcast. Either you haven't yeah. watched it because you are so jaded by the current shitty product, which I understand, and you'll just get an overview of you know who the key players are in this. Or if you're like us and we are lifers and we will watch it 
on Watchmania, even if we knew some parts that were going to be shit, you would have watched this too and caught up on it. However, what you may have not caught up on, I've seen murmurings, if you're in the US and you watch this on Peacock, I've seen some chatter online today suggesting that WWE have edited out the rain delay element on the oh, network on Peacock, okay. which is not going to lie. I mean, it was a heartbreaking moment for me because obviously I'm looking at a 4 a.m. finish at the earliest of Mania. And then when I dozed during the pre-show and I woke up and you text me and was like, oh, this is incredible. And all I had <laughs> on my screen was Lashley with the belt. And the first thought I had was, fuck, he's just killed McIntyre straight away. It's, I hadn't, it hadn't twigged for like three minutes later that there was a rain delay. And I'd in like just thinking, well, I can't look like I wasn't paying attention to this to my podcast, pal. So that's when I text you back going, <laughs> so, so good. Not having a fucking clue what had happened. That's <laughs> ah, fine, man. So I wouldn't have minded. I would have found it funny because I was obviously I was live on WrestleTalk during the production stuff. So anything to keep my spirits up, mate, would have kept me going, but it's fine. So I had a, a phone call with my dad about mm, two hours ago and he very kindly went, how was WrestleMania week? I'm assuming you've been working lots. And I was like, yeah. And so I started to describe um, the process of turning on WrestleMania during the pre-show. And I was like, everything's going smoothly. Everything's fine. Stream's working great. Graphics look good. All the interactive stuff's working with the crowd. And like, there's multiple people in the chat going oh i fucking hate wrestling i can't i'm not sure i can even be bothered with this year's wrestlemania and i'm literally there being like the positive voice going give it a chance man it's fucking wrestlemania what are you talking about if you're a wrestling fan and you're not up for wrestlemania then are you really a wrestling fan (laughs) like maybe you should go find a different hobby you know anyway so we turn on the tv and there's vince mcmahon on the stage with the whole fucking roster and i'm like this is odd <laughs> what's happening who's died <laughs> yeah i honestly thought like okay something's happening i'm not quite sure what because i don't know even with the fans being in the audience this doesn't seem like what vince would do having you know roman standing next to the mcmahon's and sasha banks and all these like these heels and stuff on stage completely out of character smiling waving at the fans and shit who were there for the first time and then they do you know the america the beautiful and everything and then they cut to the commentary table and what was going through your mind when you saw michael cole being like okay <laughs> so we're gonna have a brief delay I, th- I, I mean, in all honesty, I thought something, I knew we'd spoken before earlier in the day about weather. I thought something dodgy had happened in the crowd, like someone had tested positive. And then WWE were like, fuck, we need to find the person who's tested positive and get them out of our stadium right now. Um, yeah, I, I'm disappointed if this has been removed from the network, because what followed in the next half hour were some of the best promos that I've seen in WWE in probably the last 24 months. The panic of them having to do this delay, which I think ended up being, what, like over half an hour or something, wasn't About, it? I think the show got started for me at like 1.40am when Drew McIntyre finally came out. Okay, so with the stuff before, I'd say there's like a good 40, 40, um, like a 10-minute a uh, intro 
and a half an hour break and then we started to kind of kick back in as people were filtering into the um the stadium yeah not as bad as when the miz was doing his opening match and there were still no fans in that SummerSlam <laughs> years ago and also i have to say during, due to the weather <laughs> during because <laughs> bad bunny wasn't there drawing a yeah, million exactly. but <laughs> what i would say is that in this delay it allowed me to fall in love with michael cole just watching the general <sighs> hatred of Samojo and Byron Saxton when he uttered the words, it's WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, Michael Cole. I have comments about Michael Cole for latter, d- latter events in this event. But at this moment, so we cut backstage and like the obvious attempt of, right, we've got to fill time. Go talk on camera. I'm like, finally, we've waited years for WWE not to be overly scripted like PG bollocks like let people talk let people express themselves and suddenly you see how good and how talented their roster is like I'm sure everyone listening to this understands why it has to be scripted network television big money corporation etc etc like they have to kind of clear things on what they're gonna say but this was like a breath of fresh air man it was so exciting, not knowing what was going to happen. Is the stadium going to fall down? Is the weather that bad? Are they even going to start WrestleMania? And we cut back to these promos of these people, like, on the fly, improving, And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I had a great time. Drew McIntyre in his promo, where he was shouting at Lashley. And you could tell genuinely his frustration of, essentially, I got completely fucked last year. By not yeah. winning the belt in front of people. And I'm going to get fucked again. Not being able to have my opening match at Mania. And have fans. And the little things he did. So after. So Lashley's riffing away. Drew McIntyre comes in. They have their little face to face. Lashley and MVP leave. And the interviewer standing the other side of Drew McIntyre. And he even just moves her the other way. Saying stand over here. Move the microphone over here. I don't want to turn my back on them. I don't know what they're going to do. I thought that's yeah. so clever. That's so clever putting them in a situation and making them talk i'm like this is what i loved about pro wrestling when i first got into it it's, and then it's we got those big natural e. things you know that, that come naturally it's like like great podcasting you know it's the stuff we don't plan that we accidentally say that we make a joke of 50 years down the line <laughs> are the best bits to me you know but I, I said so you went from the passion and the raw frustration of drew mcintyre to old Biggie, <laughs> mate, his promo. Dynamite. So funny! I love him so much. The New Day as well being there—they were so entertaining. They're so good, like off the cuff, man. Ah, oh, just, oh, just the best. Um, do you rate um, Kofi and Woods' hairstyle <laughs> for this mania? Jesus, sure, man. They yeah. always make the effort to make themselves Absolutely. different, stand out from the crowd. But, but what an exciting way to kick off a WrestleMania. Like having it taken out of Vince McMahon's hands and dropped in the laps of these wrestlers. I'm like, oh, great, here we go. And this whole night, it felt like they were flying by the seat of their pants, like the whole way through, which made it so exhilarating and fun and entertaining. And, you know, the right main event and the right people winning. And even the celebrity match was fucking great, <laughs> you know? And we got to see Poncho Joe absolutely like those hilarious like fuck what are we gonna do put ponchos on Samoa Joe and have him talk at the camera it'll be great <laughs> even when like Michael Colson and uh, Byron Saxon's microphone stopped working which is no bad thing and watch Joe just go <laughs> <laughs> absolutely dude 
So, uh, should we talk about the matches? Yeah, I mean, again, we're not going to go as similar to you. I've got absolutely no notes to this, but as expected and announced leading into Mania, our opening match is for the WWE Championship. The marquee title of the WWE, the main belt, the one with all the lineage and heritage, is opening WrestleMania 37 on night one. It's weird. It happened with um, Seth and Brock as well, didn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think that's because Brock just had a flight to catch. It's like, <laughs> He's like, fuck this. I'm yeah. going to job in the opener if I'm jobbing. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, yeah the ladies are main eventing. I'm out of here. Yeah, absolutely. But what do you think of the, the the narrative of Drew McIntyre and then kind of how they've treated Bobby Lashley coming in and the whole Miz stuff and everything else? So having Drew McIntyre, I mean, you saw the fanfare at Rumble in 2020 when he won the Rumble, he was the one to eliminate Brock, just the setup for that. And still, um, even though it was just Brock Lesnar eliminating like 15 guys in a row, one of the best Rumbles of all time, that. And then ha- having Drew yeah, be definitely. the conqueror with the assistance of Ricochet. I mean, Ricochet should have worn a mask at that restaurant because since you've done that, you've been absolutely fucked. Um, yeah. They really tried to build him as the champion, but it's so difficult for Drew McIntyre, because obviously he's dropped the belt a couple of times, won it back straight away, um, to see how he really is thought of in front of a live crowd. And he got a great pop. But I also wonder from a WWE standpoint, if they had Drew McIntyre come out first to get that pop, because he's the first wrestler back, so obviously the fans are going to lose their shit over it because it's there. Whereas if he came out middle of the night, I still don't know how the fans are genuinely reacting to Drew McIntyre as the top babyface on Raw. And Lashley, I mean, I think we can all agree that in the entire COVID era, the Performance Center and then the, the Thunderdome, MVP has literally been the MVP of that. He's brought people back who had no place, who should have been in main eventing, and they should have had no place main eventing in 2020 and 2021. And together with the Hurt Business, just absolutely elevated three talents I know obviously they've binned off Shelter and Cedric going into Mania and they've replaced him with Teabag and Pineapple and Slapjack and Pancake or whatever they're called. But yeah. Codswallop. Codswallop. <laughs> but it really worked for me because Bobby Lashley should keep this belt until SummerSlam if they go with fans and they should have Lashley against Brock because that is one of the last few matches that people who are not diehard WWE fans would pay money to see. Yeah, I think that match has to happen at some point, especially in that it's kind of gone under the radar as something that both have talked about in interviews and things like this. And I watched a thing where there's like, I don't remember the guy's name. It's like Dr. Hightower, I think, where he like cracks people's necks and backs on YouTube. Do you know the guy? Oh, no, that sounds unpleasant. What a horrible like, video to watch. <laughs> it, it's so like therapeutic watching it. Seeing it go up like Bobby Lashley's neck or whatever. And suddenly you can lift his arm like four inches higher than he could before. It's genuinely incredible stuff. <laughs> But he was talking about the potential of a Brock match and how much he wants it and how much he's pitched it in the past. But, you know, there's only one man that can make that happen at this point. Vince. Um, Wait, what? (laughs) Vince's purse strings. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say the Hurt Business, I know the general consensus is that it was a terrible idea to break them up, and I am in that camp. I think it was an awful decision to break them up because they've been a ray of light on what, frankly, has been seven, eight months of dog shit wwe television like i i like the roman reigns story i really love drew mcintyre but i don't like the way he's been booked like dropping the belt to orton for a week or whatever the fuck it was 
and then winning it back to like a nothing and being no fans and all this sort of shit you know like you think about the guys they've got on their roster and how how insanely talented this, this roster is how awfully it's been booked for the past year bobby lashley is like the powerhouse the lead of a unit that kind of has gone under the radar and hasn't lost a match all fucking year which is a real thing the hurt business just did not lose for months after months after months you can only think that's down to one person it has to be mvp right yeah and with the best thing of the hurt business as well when retribution was starting out and they were coming and using their chainsaws to cut up the ring Mm. ropes and everything and then just having all members of the hurt business come down in their suits start taking off their cufflinks and going and beating up these gimp masked cretins yeah. Oh, Dijakovic. If you're going to be put with Bobby Lashley, take off the mask. You and Dio Madden <laughs> just as heavies. Because you could have just died yeah. as Retribution. They could have come out as Dio Madden and Dominic Dijakovic and just been Bobby Lashley's new members of the Hurt Business. They've then, Dijakovic and Madden could have feuded with Cedric and Shelton. So then they've got two experienced hands now in the WWE system. And But th- it's interesting you said that about the shitty booking of this the last seven to eight months this I, company yeah. i look down like night one and i look down night two and obviously i know becky's out because she's on maternity leave ronda's not going to come back and rest because there's no fans same as brock but if i listed to you last year who's going to be main event who's going to be on the mania card next year and we're looking at people like tamina and natalia who are both you know loyal servants to wwe I'd said, oh, we're going to have Braun Strowman against Shane McMahon. You'd have gone, what the fuck are you talking about? We're going to have <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have Sheamus versus Matt Riddle and we're going to have Apollo Crews on night two against Big E in a Nigerian drum match. You would have basically told me I was being faux racist and told me to fuck off. <laughs> well, maybe so, man. Um, Yeah, it, it's, it's very odd in that whenever I see these people wrestle, like take the NXT roster, for example, the NXT shows of this week, it's insane how good they are in the ring but the lack of versatility or variation in story and match type and things like that it's it becomes boring to me it's not what i love about wrestling and i understand how people can watch nxt and then watch aw and go aw shit because it has botches it has comedy characters it has silly gimmicks and the stories don't always make so much sense and things like this. But like, and then go to NXT and go, look at the work rate, look at the talent in the ring, look at the the sporting style of it. But the thing is that it does almost nothing for me. Like for me, with wrestling, you can't just get by on here's two amazingly athletically gifted people killing each other. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't care. <laughs> like, unless you can give me some meaning behind it, you know? And so having Bobby Lashley going in against Drew, this made a ton of sense to me. The way they got there was, um, I almost said a very bad word. <laughs> Awful. There you go. There's a more reasonable word. Like with Miz cashing in and winning the belt. And being like, fucking hell, we've got Randy Orton and Miz as champions in a year. What the fuck is going on in 2021? And then having Bobby Lashley just win it. And then they're like, okay, well, Seth and Drew are doing a thing. 
let's just do Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre. But the match was fucking great. Really good stuff. And very quickly, back to the NXT thing. This is the problem of having WWE developmental. Because while it's very, very good... It doesn't work. It doesn't fucking work. Because everyone is now the same. Every promo is the same. Why the hell, I can only assume it's to do with some kind of trademark. Why the hell have they not bought in Ty Valkyrie as Ty Valkyrie a name rather than Frankie Monet? No. What, what are they doing? And it, like you said, the best thing, which frustrates the hell out of me because I don't rate him at all, the best story in NXT at the moment is The Way and having Indy Hartwell be <laughs> infatuated with Dexter Loomis and always has to be asleep to get his attention and just little things like that because it's silly is something different. And yeah. you know, but it doesn't come onto the pay-per-views. No, and that's the problem. And I think we see this now. So if we look down the list of again, just for who's on um, night one. So obviously, Drew, I'm not going to class as NXT. I know he came back into NXT um, when he returned to WWE, but he was all think, originally on the main roster. If you honestly, look, I think the only ones you can are like Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot. I think everyone else is not an NXT. Well, Bianca well, Bella Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins was NXT. Cause he, Does he, that count? Yes, because he was Tyler Black and he bought, came up as the Shield, so he spent a lot of time in FCW and NXT. I would say, okay, so I think we have to put a limit on this. I think we have to go back to, like, you know, the well, Balor-Joe period onwards. Yeah, okay. Well, homegrown, know? genuine homegrown with no experience elsewhere, Bianca Belair. Sasha Banks. And maybe Braun Strowman, because I don't think he worked anywhere before that. Uh, maybe yeah yeah i guess you could say that but like the simple fact is that in specifically their main event scene generally they're not people that have come through their developmental system there are some there's a few exceptions well, this Roman. particularly yeah but like uh, let me phrase it differently the storyline focus of their show week to week is not based on people i would like it to be based on that have proven their worth because interesting as you said it's bobby lashley versus drew mcintyre and the match as you said and rightly so they should be in this position but one would argue they should have been in this position 10 years earlier the yeah, problem and the is story that, they were given is utter bollocks yeah and the problem you've got is every call-up from nxt has been flumped it's been so badly handled i assume keith lee is injured in inverted commas i vince doesn't mm. like him because he's a big lad keith lee could have could be one of these top stars to actually have crossover appeal like we've said so many times in this podcast over the last few years braun Strowman, had they booked him properly could have been an absolute huge crossover star but now yeah. he's doing the whole thing of Oh, well, you're working with a McMahon. That's an important match on the card. No, it's not, because even now a Shane McMahon match is by formula. Got to give him something high to throw him off, and you win. Did you catch Braun Strowman's promo on the week before WrestleMania? I did not, because I refused to spend money for BT Sport to watch Raw. Okay, so Shane McMahon's story, can we talk, say, call it a story? His story. His... his <laughs> Mm. His is basically what he was saying to Braun coming into this match for like two weeks before WrestleMania, because that's what a, a good story is. Apparently, two weeks of fucking stories ain't awful, 
was that you're stupid, therefore I'm going to beat you because you're stupid. Okay? Brawn, like, just keep oh, hanging. <laughs> I've seen the sound effects for this. Dude. <laughs> it's, it's the promo Brawn cut was essentially, yes, I'm stupid. I'm going to win this match for all you stupid people out there. I'm going to represent you because I'm fucking stupid. Do you think they would have had this storyline had Big Show not gone to AEW? Do you think they would have bought a show out for this? (laughs) Fee, five, four, farm. Me very big, but me very dumb. It's from the old one where Shane McMahon went off the... Oh, what a surprise. Hang on. Shane McMahon calling someone stupid, jumping off something huge like he did at Backlash that time. Ah, With Tess down there holding him in place. Can, Can we talk about how stupid this story is? What, cause, as into Braun and Shane McMahon? Because, I mean, as I said, we're not going to go into, like, match by match this. We're going to cover most of these matches. But, yeah, let's talk. But specifically that Braun promo. Like, I can't, I haven't been able to get over this. Like, most, of, we're a week removed from WrestleMania. Most of the stuff that annoyed me, I've got over by now. I'm not going to watch WWE week to week. I'm going to watch AEW and a bit of New Japan and the indie wrestling I like when it comes back. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, that, Wait, that's, you mean I'm, you I'm haven't fine. been watching Progress on the network? <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> How dare they change Millie McKenzie's name in NXT UK, by the way. Fucking hell. Did they really? Amelia McKenzie. (sighs) Fuck's sake. Why? Why do they do this all the time? (laughs) Anyway, um... (sighs) Braun Strowman. Look at the fucking guy. (laughs) Oh, I'm so stupid. What? Fuck it, let's get into it. Is Vince McMahon going to have to die before WWE gets good again? And is Triple H the guy to replace him? And is it going to get better with Triple H? Because I'm not sure. I don't think the McMahons are going to be around by the time Vince McMahon dies. Genuinely. I know I've said, I know I said this on our, our first ever pod, which you can see in our archives at worldwrestlingpodcast.com on our prequel episode. And I know a lot of people say, oh, Vince McMahon needs to die for this to happen. The McMahons are on full exit strategy mode right now from a business standpoint. They've got So you've mentioned do- this to me before. Can you explain in like the most layman terms possible why you think that they're basically just going to sell all their shit and get out? They're raising their stock price. So obviously they've made the billion dollar Fox deal. As soon as they announced the billion dollar Fox deal, all their shares went up. Vince, Stephanie, Paul Levesque all hemorrhaged millions and millions of dollars worth of shares damn okay what does that mean they As sold it, they them sold they them. lost them they, no they sold they sold them sorry they went mass sales of their share portfolios okay so obviously they wait for these big announcements and they sell their shares for mass profit they never Just out of interest I, how who do you sell them to as such you sell them on the new york stock exchange so essentially right, okay. they're, they're available for brokers to purchase for hedge funds, wealthy individuals as they go through, sort of venture capitalists um, go for people, things like this. And then the same thing again for the Peacock deal. So obviously there's, there's a period of trade. So if you're a listed company, there's certain windows employees and shareholders aren't allowed to trade because that's around to the time they release their annual accounts or if they know something's going to happen. So there's like an internal embargo on selling shares because it reduces the concept of insider trading. But Every time something big happens, uh, you'll notice it. So if there's something really good going to happen, 
they sell their shares after the event. So after the Peacock deal, after the Fox deal, they all sold a ton of shares. They never buy more shares. Obviously, they've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shares as they are the majority shareholders of the company. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice before they release their quarter results, if they're going to be really bad news, before the window shuts for them to do their trading, the McMahon sell a lot of shares. So if the quarter four, let's say, has really bad results, the value of the shares of WW on the New York Stock Exchange plummets. The shares aren't worth anything. They're making all these big deals with providers to provide content. So obviously Vince McMahon doesn't care about the network anymore, and rightly so, because he's made a billion dollars from Peacock, from NBC. NBC's the one who's got Peacock, isn't it? Because it's the feathered logo. Anyway, neither here nor there. So as time goes on, Vince are they Man. called NBC or are they called MSNBC or something? MSNBC, something like that. I, I always remember seeing like the, the coloured little feathers of, of the logo of NBC being why it looks like the peacock feathers. Yeah. But so they're it's selling shares. NBC still. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But obviously, so that's good business practice. You're selling your shares when they're of a higher value. Brilliant. Can't fault them for that. Mm-hmm. But there's no urgency because what value do, do Vince, Stephanie, and Triple H have? to create this new global stars to keep things going when all they've got to do is now produce content for NBC for five years on Peacock. They're going to get their money, whatever, because the subscriptions aren't down to them anymore. It's down to Peacock. It's down to NBC to get that. So by having that content, so that realistically, and not mean to be too morbid about it, that five years will see through to the end of Vince McMahon. And I know Stephanie's been saying things at shareholder meetings and other, other notes when people said, what's going to happen when Vince retires or worse? Obviously, everyone says retires, but we all know mean, we mean dead because he's not yeah, going to retire. Maybe. Yeah, and she always doesn't says feel it, like he's ever going to retire. He seems like a madman. So. Yeah, and they always say they're going to book it by committee. So if they're essentially saying that no one is going to take over and they're going to book by committee, that means it's literally going to be then it be a company run by the shareholders. And right, whilst okay. the McMahons still have a majority of the vote in it, if it's going to be based on committee and they're going to be potentially non-business people because they're setting themselves up by having these network execs come involved. And it's the same thing we always um, alluded to on the promo side of things. You've got network, you've got legal. It's the same thing that Bischoff always goes on about in WCW, how like practices and standards get involved. And so we can't say this or do this. You're going to end up now where this... WWE bubble is going to burst like we've seen with TV ratings and yes they don't really need it because they've got this guaranteed income from Fox subject to rumoured break clauses and ratings clauses they've got now a billion dollars from Peacock so if Fox pull out WWE like still got a billion dollars yeah sure so I, I, uh, I just if you were a multi multi billionaire or whatever like put yourself in these shoes I know, I know you're almost there but you know <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking to take over WWE, is it possible to do it right now, and how much would it cost? Oh, I I don't think it'd be possible to do it now. I don't okay. think it'd be possible to do it now because Vince wouldn't sell it whilst he's into it. Are there, is there not a point where, because they're publicly traded, anyone could eventually just buy it from out from underneath it? Oh yeah, I mean, there, what would happen is to do that. And again, I'm not overly familiar on the the detail of WWE's um, share structure. But let's just, if it was a normal company and someone came in and bought up enough shares so they had a majority stake in the company, they could then essentially do a compulsory buyout. I would assume that the McMahons have got it set that they can 
they would never be overowned. Okay. Which is why, again, while they're selling all these shares, but it, as you said, it gets down to that level where potentially someone could come in. I know we've spoken off air about sort of Vince's wealth versus Tony Khan's wealth, but if Tony Khan was a good businessman, he wouldn't touch this with a shit stick. That was going to be my next question: would be that if you need to spend like you know ten billion to buy this company under from from under the Mamans, does it ever become worth it? And what does that mean if no one wants to buy it because it's not worth the money that they value it for? What does that mean for WWE in the long run? I still think that WWE has officially got a shelf life on it now. I wow. holy shit, that's mad to hear. Just doesn't it feels like the uh, you know the unattainable <laughs> company feels like it would never disappear at this point. As a I fan. just I just think that we'll get to WrestleMania 50 and that will be it. Holy I, hell. I okay. think, I genuinely think that, because obviously, you know, you don't want to wish ill on anyone and you want people to have long, thriving lives. But, you know, to get to WrestleMania 50, we're talking 13 years down the line from now. Um, I can't remember how old Vince is, but that would put him definitely into his late 90s. I'm just taking a, I'm going about to take a mortgage. I need at least 20 years, mate, <laughs> to keep my <laughs> <Yeah>. job. <laughs> but, this is where it, it concerns me because they're not making any stars. Nothing we saw in the build to this WrestleMania, if we weren't wrestling fans, nothing would would encourage us to do this. We're never going to know like the the ratings realistically because obviously we saw the impact of having NXT and Dynamite move to separate nights. Dynamite did a 1.2, NXT did like, was it eight, 700, 800,000? On, yeah, it was about on the, the same, Tuesday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As in NXT stayed the same, AEW went up, right? That's yeah. The, the basic story. So we're never going to know the numbers on the network because, again, for us in the UK, we don't get NXT in real time. We get it a week later because of the yeah. deal they've got in BT Sport. And I just don't see there being enough new people coming in. It's going to happen what happened in the mid-90s where it's going to have to take something go completely off script. And the nearest thing we've had to that in recent time is what we're going to cover for our next series of Dragon's Run to WrestleMania 30. That is the most organic thing that's happened that's forced WWE to change and actually got mainstream attention. Yes, having Bianca and Sasha main event is integral to the future of equality for in professional wrestling to show that uh, as they kept on blabbing ad nauseum that this is the first time that two black women have main evented mania it's a case of which is a very cool thing by the way this is oh, yeah. let's, criticizing let's not that. That. oh no i'm not criticizing that at all <laughs> did but sound the, a little bit like it <laughs> no but that that's the thing that is what they based their main event on yeah the sure. story leading up to it was dog shit yeah it was awful yeah there's no fucking story. They stood in the ring and smiled at each other. Sasha Banks went, All right, I guess I've got to be the bad guy then. And you're like, What? That's not storytelling, you twats. But this is this is the thing. If you got anyone to watch this show, yes, Bianca Belair could be that next crossover star. Like Becky Lynch, I think, would have been um, had she not chosen to be sensible and concentrate on her actual real life away from wrestling. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I just don't think legitimately, like, you look at an NXT and you think, Okay, so if let's say in the next five to ten years, some of these guys need to be selling out stadiums. Why do you think the business plan of WWE announcing their next three manias in a row? It's to build hype. It's to get money in now. 
And I know, obviously, so we were supposed to be in Inglewood. We're supposed to be in California this year, but they moved it so they could have fans in California. The things, the rules for COVID are a bit looser in, in Florida, which is why they went back to Raymond James Stadium. And then I think they're Texas for WrestleMania 39. Um, but it's interesting they've now gone ahead and got that secured early. And it's all these things. And there's no rhyme or reason to think about it, but it's just WWE who allows these bidding wars. You know, they've released another bundle of talent claiming it's cost-cutting. They booted out so many office stars. And yes, they don't have a touring schedule. So they haven't toured for 12 months, which is a big part of their income, although the house show gates were dropping. The whole business model of WWE is going to switch to being purely content-based, which is why they don't need to give a shit about live attendance. But the second right. Fox yeah. don't want to show their stuff, and the second that Peacock don't go, we haven't really seen a mass jump in our subscribers because your 1 million US subscribers didn't jump across the Peacock, even though it's cheaper than the network. Where are these deals going to come? I know WWE were ranting about how good their sponsorships were for WrestleMania. Like they had Snickers, they had... Oh, I saw so many bloody adverts for it over... I've, I've actually gone blank of what they, they had. But I know Snickers was the main sort of one. I think they had like a financial institution coming. Oh, yeah, um, Old Spice was there as well to sort of mm-hmm. promote things. But there are things that just make me question why are WWE breaking protocol? I know they probably need to get money in because of COVID, but it's all these things together. Selling the shares, announcing three manias in advance because it's, it's now Glastonbury. You're not buying to see the band. You're buying to say, I've gone to Glastonbury. And now they're playing on WrestleMania being people paying to say, I'm going to WrestleMania. Sure, man. Yeah. It's, there is this overarching problem with wrestling at the moment whereby it does seem like there's a massive lack of young people. And we've talked about it a bit in the past and I'm not sure the statistics necessarily agree with what I'm saying. But for me, going into a lot of these wrestling events, it does feel like there is genuinely an older one. It's like it's become almost a nostalgia fest rather than here's some amazing storytelling with some stuff that you're going to go and talk about with your school friends on the playground in the next day, you know? Exactly. You don't have the young people coming in to watch it. And AEW is different because it's not aimed for young people. I know we've sort of had various discussions about this again over the last few years where we've said what fan base they aim for. And the problem is, and you know, agreeing with you 100%, WWE aren't attracting new fans. But they're trying to aim their product at young people. You know, you'd see at sports games, even in the UK, during the Attitude Era, you'd see Austin 316 t-shirts at football matches or soccer games. Uh, if you're uh, American listeners, you'd see them at basketball games. You'd see this wide widespread appeal i know ww doing like seven million um ratings on on usa in the states but in the uk alone when you're thinking more people understand the tna product than the wwe products it was on free to air tv for so many years yeah that's true it, yeah. it's concerning that they're aiming at young people and sort of for lack of a better term awkward male demographic with a bit of disposable income People who were bullied at school but now are nerdy enough to make money, you know? Yeah, but... Us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's be honest, when was the last time you bought WWE merch? Um, w- Depends. Does NWO count? 
No, because that's nostalgia merch. I was about to say, I bought plenty of nostalgia merch because I'm a nerd and I really like WWE, uh, sorry, NWO, WCW, 90s, you know, but uh, no, nothing of recent memory. Absolutely not. Nothing from the last 20 years. I think the last legitimate, um, <laughs> I actually, I do know the last bit of WWE merch I bought um, and it's definitely, <laughs> it's humiliating. So I'll say it on the pod. Um, do it. <laughs> I bought myself from WWE Euroshop a pair of undisputed era UGG boots. <laughs> oh, let's go, bro. That's what I'm talking about, living the life. Because I thought I need some new warm boots for winter. And they were fifty dollar they were fifty percent off, so they're like eight quid. And I was like Do you put them on and go boom <laughs> to yourself? <laughs> no, I put these on and go, if I roll these trousers down, no one will see this as a wrestling boot. <laughs> but, but other than that, other than like a little gimmick purchase. I think the last thing was like the CM Punk Best in the World t-shirt. And now there's an even better version of that, which is the World of Wrestling Podcast version of that, which you can buy at Amazon.co.uk. Just search World of Wrestling Podcast. Professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'd realised we'd not shield our merch for a quite long period of time during TNA. So I thought yeah. I'd uh, start shielding up. When I think point. I've seen more of my wrestling friends buy our merch than I've seen <laughs> them buy WWE merch, that tells yeah. you one thing. Either we've both got our mortgages because we've sold a lot of merch or no one's buying WWE merch and like seven of our friends are really nice. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, dude. I can't wait till we can go to indie shows and try and spot, you know, a few of our t-shirts in the wild. I think that'd be really funny. I, I'd, I'd <laughs> like it more that we'd spot our stuff than WWE. But that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, fucking A. The business model, even looking... I mean, I know it's quite difficult to spot merch in this... Uh, in the crowds, uh, uh, Raymond James, because everyone was wearing ponchos. But I didn't see... They weren't kids. wearing masks. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. I mean, what can I... All I can say is fantastic work by WrestleTalk's Ollie, Ollie Davis on his... Uh, that was Luke, by the way. Oh, was it Luke? Oh, no, sorry. I, I, well, Luke commented on the masks. Ma- <laughs> are you going to wear a mask? You can't hold a gun with a mask. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, that's so funny, man. I, I think genuinely... My my view of Raw is what you sent me of Ollie's um, Raw review. His rant, yeah. I, God, he's so restrained usually and seeing him just fully go in on WWE for wasting his fucking time after a week of constant wrestling. <laughs> fucking hell, man. It was brilliant. It was just summed up everything I felt. Oh, I loved it. I sent him a message the next day being like, thank you. <laughs> I needed that. But that's <laughs> cathartic, you know. The fact of the matter that we've had more entertainment, and again, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed night one of WrestleMania, but we've had more interesting things to talk about than seven matches on a WrestleMania card. We have already acknowledged that Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre was a great match. And in under 20 minutes, they told a good story of what they had with a bit of continuation because we knew we were going to get all these rematches at Backlash. We've already spoken about Braun Strowman being stupid and being happy about being called stupid and saying, I'm going to win it for all the stupid people. And, I mean, the fact that, you know, we got Cesaro Rollins at this because Rollins probably was like, I'm not in the main event, but I've got a bit of sway and I'd like to work with my business partner in the coffee industry to try and push Cesaro. I had completely forgotten about that. Yeah, that, that's good. That's a lovely moment. But that, but that's where it's at now. It's a case that you look at this mania card, Bailey wasn't on it and she's been a linchpin to SmackDown for 2020. Charlotte yeah. Flair's 
boyfriend got fired, so I think she threw her toys out of the pram and didn't get to work with anyone because she was like, can I be in a triple threat? And they're like, fuck off, Charlotte. We've already told your dad to fuck off. <laughs> Wind your neck in. <laughs> Does seem like it, doesn't it? The way that all went down was really odd. And the fact that they've had AJ like reveal and Triple H you know, confirm it, that he'd basically spent his entire year going, so, see what I did with Taker? Do you want to... Do you want to have a match? Do you want to have a match? Do you want to have a match? And thinking that Triple H would turn around and go, oh, go on then. Until the last minute, Triple H went, no, I've told you, I'm not going to wrestle you. And AJ's gone, fuck! What am I going to do at Mania? Yeah. Let's go through some of these matches. So we had the women's tag team turmoil match, which was what it was. I mean, it had one giant highlight. (laughs) Oh, Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose. <laughs> and she the uh, fair play to Mandy Rose though. She stayed like bolt vertical. She didn't flop or wobble until her bum hit that ramp. It was Del Boy esque. It was fucking perfection, man. It was so funny. I also like the fact that the next night on night two, Randy Orton continued to be an absolute cunt, made fun mm. of it as he walked down the ring. Did he? Did you not see like, that? <laughs> Randy Orton walked down and pretended to slip a bit in his little white pants? Are you sure he wasn't just slipping because it was wet and the ramp looked a bit slippy? No, he was okay. deliberately being a dick. <laughs> so, I mean, there's not much else to say about that match. I guess we can call it a match. Uh, but then Cesaro uh, got put over by Seth Rollins, which I was chuffed a bit with and was like, oh, finally, maybe we're getting this Cesaro main event push. But then you remember that, you know, who's at the top of the card and they're never going to put him over those guys, are they? I, well, it's, I think it's going to be a slow build based on what happened at SmackDown. So we had Cesaro come out and confront Roman Reigns and then they had a lot of the Seth Rollins stuff now in Cesaro's entrance graphic and they had it in his little verbiage when he came out to the ring and then Seth gets involved. So I think we're going to get Seth Cesaro again because obviously 50-50 booking. We can't have Cesaro going over strong. I'd be surprised yeah. if he won twice. Uh, Seth Rollins stealing our fucking gimmick. So cheers, Seth. <laughs> what? Beautiful suits. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, um, I do feel like they're going to Zack Ryder Cesaro. I really oh, do. I hope down. I'm wrong, but... This has to be like the the last push he gets before he can go and work with Sarah Del Rey and be a trainer. Yeah, what, but, what a trainer that man could be. Like, he just gets wrestling. But it's we've already said awesome. it. What's the fucking point in having the very, very best to train you when you're all going to be the fucking same when you come up on the main roster? Yeah, maybe so. Um, what a! It was this point where I went, "All right, guys, we're here to play this evening." Good fucking shit. This match was fucking awesome. Second best match on the card. This one for this evening, right up there. And then we bring AJ Styles and Omos versus the New Day. (laughs) Omos can't be bothered to wear fucking ring gear. (laughs) The hilarity of having your heel take all the heat for like nine minutes, and then the the the. The build to this tag to this giant man i was bursting with laughter i was like this is awesome this is why this show was so much fun and i don't get nxt it's stuff like this like all i want to see is that big dude get tagged in and see what the fuck happens it could be awful it could be great it could be anything and fucking hell did these guys deliver. This was great fun. Woods was hilarious. So first thing shouting out, Age going, see, tag team, we divide the ring. We split it. 
<laughs> and then, but as you said, before AJ got the cold heel hot tag to almost where <laughs> Woods was going, don't do it, AJ. Don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't do it, AJ. Don't do it. Uh, how they weren't corpsing, I would never know, man. This was fucking hilarious. And having the big guy come in and like a minute later, he's pinning them. Just like, what the fuck? That was awesome. It's exactly what I wanted. This is fucking wrestling, man. This was fucking awesome. I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. And again, I think after a really serious match of Cesaro and Rollins where it was like wrestling 101, really, for what they, they put on, having this and also AJ, after trying to lobby for this main event match, had Taker's last, let's call it a match, because even though it was a cinematic, it was Taker's last appearance in WWE as an active competitor. Going from that and main eventing night one of Mania to being buried alive to then being buried... <laughs> at 37 but it worked having AJ and Kofi I think that was one of the things that AJ was like yeah I want to work with Kofi I'll work with Woods that'll be good fun and I'll help get this young lad over <laughs> and it was brilliant see I said nothing's better than seeing this unknown big lad who can't be bothered to buy ring gear come in and just beat the shit out of people top draw absolutely man really really fun and also, now he's the biggest person on the card so we don't need to give a shit, a shit about Braun Strowman anymore <laughs> speaking of which we have a steel cage match of shame mcmahon and braun Strowman. now the the big thing going into this and i guess with uh kevin steen as well at some point was is anyone gonna jump off the ship <laughs> is anyone gonna jump off the cage and how this is gonna happen and the other thing with this match specifically was is braun gonna like somehow throw shane over the cage or through the cage to the outside and the one spot they had where Shane gets to the outside and then Braun tears open the cage to get to Shane. Mate, I was on the floor in fits of laughter. It was perfect. Like The match is, it's a bit of a sleeper. It's a bit of a, yeah, okay. But it's a nice change of pace from everything else we've had building up to it, which has been nearly all work rate stuff. We've had, you know, the crazy spot with the, I say chokeslam off the top. Shane McMahon did a front flip off the top. You know what I mean? It was kind of too far broken from kayfabe in my opinion but, but how again, did braun Strowman find this here because he's been at the thunder I mean, he's so stupid how did he know it was a different venue <laughs> yeah exactly but like i'm trying to not focus too much on the storylines and just kind of go over that afterwards because the storylines were fucking dreadful for nearly all of these matches but just the match in itself as a going in with a positive attitude for a change for me <laughs> just trying to like you know just enjoy wrestlemania and not give too much of a shit about it the bit where he open he tears off the side of the cage and reaches through and shane's reaction and then shane getting his jocks caught on the <laughs> on the uh, the cage material i guess the chicken wire is he's trying to drag him through fucking hell man again i had a really 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 great time watching this match do you think, though, them. that's the reaction they wanted? Did they? Because I, I sit there and again, similar reaction to you, I thought, this is comedy gold. Yeah. Was this match supposed to be comedy gold? Or was I supposed to be saying, yeah, he's going to get his comeuppance for calling Braun stupid. <sighs> I'm stupid, so I want the stupid one to win. That They must realise that you can't do that without the story behind it. You can't make people care unless you've got a story that logically makes sense, that makes me like one person and hate the other person. I went into this match going, eh, hopefully they'll hurt each other. That'll be funny. <laughs> you know? And it's another match where Shane McMahon's got a mania match where the storyline going to it makes no sense at all. So 
Did we ever find out when Shane wrestled Taker what was in that box that Shane was going to reveal about Vince if he beat Undertaker? Don't. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so Vince literally hired Taker to beat Shane up. The next night on Raw, Vince brings out Shane and is like, oh, okay, you can now book Raw. Oh, anyone perfect sense anyone no anyone <laughs> like i wish someone I guess, would book raw the, the narrative is meant to be that vince has found so much respect for shane for going through this match with taker that he's gonna pass the company on to him and how long did that last tax <laughs> you know it's like i, I mean it left with never shane rewarded <laughs> well, never shane... rewarded for paying attention shane left the company because he wasn't actually going to get the kayfabe company so Oh, dear so me. shit, man. Anyway, so um, what do you think about the last spot off the top? I've seen Shane fall off shit before now. it's This is the problem. It's the same old yeah. shit, just a different stupid person for Shane to wrestle. Nasty little bump though, isn't it? Yeah, he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had the celebrity match of Bad Bunny with Damian Priest. Oh my god, what the fuck are they doing with Damian Priest? Versus The Miz, former WF champion a month ago, <laughs> The Miz, and John Morrison. Johnny Parkour, Johnny Nitro. Oh, I Johnny that was Impact. a gimmick. Yeah. Star Shit Pain, <laughs> Mrs. Frankie Monet. Sorry, Mr. Frankie Monet. Mr. Frankie Monet. Their hair. Fucking hell, Jomo. Get a fucking haircut. <laughs> it's like Little Richard, but just inflated, you know? <laughs> Uh, I can imagine that backstage of all like their their stylists. So, uh, so Johnny Morrison, Johnny Blaze, Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact. What yeah. do you want to? Uh, what you want the hair to be like today? Ah, oh, well, I'd like to be Little Richard, but inflated. I know just the style. Fucking a dude. I've got to say, I think this is the best celebrity match ever at WrestleMania. Yes, without a shadow of a doubt. And also, though, Bad Bunny killing killing the business, another fucking Canadian destroyer. <laughs> I've got to say, Johnny Lucha or whatever, giving himself a Canadian destroyer on the outside was quite impressive. <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, Bad, Bad Bunny was there, but he didn't do anything. He just stood there and held on. That was all Morrison doing the work, you know. Well, did you actually know, little, little secret, because of the language barrier, Bad Bunny was actually the original Sin Cara? <laughs> i'd fully believe it yeah but the fact that, that went 15 minutes and priest barely got in the match and it was actually good that does fucking great man bad bunny put the time in and you saw it on social media afterwards the the legends the veterans all saying that this is now the bar set for celebrities getting involved and i would agree i think that you know ronda came in as talent and she picks it up and she was very, very believable because she's got a legitimate background. I'm trying to think of the last time a celebrity came in and actually had a decent match. Um, you're forgetting one very recently that's I better a, than this. I said a decent match. Oh, I, and Pat McAfee was on NXT. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's, <laughs> that's why I was like, best WrestleMania celebrity match. Because Pat McAfee had two matches that were both fucking amazing thank you adam cole but you know it's like those matches are incredibly good like pat McAfee became my favorite wrestler overnight because of that first match i said i had amazing seen... it was so good i expected nothing and it was like perfect 
I'd say to Meathead on some form of social media that the general hatred for Pat McAfee being on commentary and Samoa Joe being canned, well, this is the problem. It's now all about reach and it's all about numbers. Mm. Samoa Joe has 800,000 followers on Twitter. Double that of the Young Bucks at the moment, by the way, I should mention. But yeah. Pat McAfee has over 2 million followers on social media. So and who a get- successful podcast and a pro-sporting past and an association with Barstool, one of the most popular things going on the internet right now. Like, I understand it. And, in fairness to him, through what I've seen, not being overproduced makes Michael Cole seem tolerable. Yeah, I hated him when he first came into WWE, but I think he was overproduced. Letting him be himself, he is a fucking excellent heel. And what they need on commentary. I did think when they announced that Raw had a new commentary team, I thought this was going to be the part where DC was going to be colour guy for Michael Cole. No, please no. I cannot tolerate his fucking awful commentary, dude. But because we've seen UFC it, oh, events. I def- I'm, I'm 100% in agreement with you because I can't stand Cormier's commentary. It frustrates the shit out of me. Yeah. And also, it means that he'd try and shoehorn his way into a match with Brock in WWE. And look how well that went for Cain Velasquez, yeah. conspicuous I'd- by his absence just want to throw out dc and like 2021 joe rogan are two of the most annoying fucking human beings i have to listen to regularly in my life i can't stand (laughs) them i used to really like joe rogan's podcast yeah not so much anymore however on that subject if you like our podcast leave us a review if you like what you hear um rich has still got his share of spadge for the one star review we got so we like we don't mind one star (laughs) reviews but we prefer five so if you leave us a five star review on your podcast app of preference if you like what we've been doing you're probably enjoying this a lot more than all the tna shit we've been covering for the last 10 weeks which i can only apologize for and take full responsibility (laughs) for Um, i'm gonna say if you leave us a bad review at least make it funny like have some (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) leave a comment make it hilarious that's fine i wouldn't hang on whoa 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 don't go out of your way to give us a bad view just to be funny because it'll fuck up our algorithm. You can leave a funny, positive comment. You can call us cunts, but give us five stars. You know what I mean? <laughs> Rich, you are a five-star cunt. There you go. Oh, Lovely. I love it. Happy days. Beautiful stuff. So, um, yeah. Damien Priest. Do you want to chat about him for a little bit? Rumoured he was injured going into Mania, so I wonder if that's why he had limited involvement because originally it was going to okay. be a singles match, wasn't it? Bad Bunny versus The Miz. Yeah. And then I think Johnny Hairstyle was like, oh, I want a WrestleMania payday. And my wife's signed for NXT. And I think, again, Damien Priest would have been chomping at the bit just to get on a Mania card. Because again, Bad Bunny did really well from a Mania celebrity standpoint. Huge mainstream appeal. Again, in all seriousness, I'd never heard of him before he came into WWE and did that Booker T song at the Rumble. Yeah, me neither. Music's fucking dreadful. So <laughs> but, I won't be listening to him anytime any soon. Again, it's all about the numbers. Yeah, As that promo where Triple H him, hands him the mic and is like, you've done your job, now go on tour to no one. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. I loved it. You can go and support Jericho at a super spreader event. <laughs> so uh, before we move on too much, Damien Priest. Do you know how old Damien Priest is? He's an old upstart. He's an old boy now, isn't he? Because all... Like Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor, wasn't he? As for a prolonged period, he must be in his late forties now. Mm, Damien Priest. Uh, Damien Priest is thirty-eight. What? <laughs> that boy has been around for ages, and he looks fucking old. Yeah, it's surreal, man. It's it's um, 
you don't expect i never like the constant refer to him as like oh this young upstart on commentary and you know he's given all this kind of gimmick where i don't know he's taken as this this newcomer this flamboyant whatever like him and alice the black almost are like are the, the same mold who you know what i mean who yeah exactly um and they're just they're treated in a way that makes me angry <laughs> Like, I think they're both very, very fucking good. And I wish they could just give them some stories and let them fucking wrestle people. It doesn't seem like too much to ask. <laughs> but apparently it is. I think Damien Priest has a better shot than any because of his size. The only issue that he's got is now on Raw, you've also got Braun and you've got Omos. So again, the land of the giants, well, they do nothing with them. You've got Ali Black waiting in the wings, Keith Lee to come back, Brock knocking around somewhere, although Brock will definitely be on SmackDown when he comes back. It just doesn't... As you said, unfortunately, they have no idea what to do with him. They they know how to book Lashley Drew McIntyre from the mid-2000s. Well, maybe so, yeah. So, we round off night one with, in my opinion, one of the best WrestleMania main events I've ever seen. Agreed. Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. (laughs) Sasha Banks. And Bianca Belair. Obviously, Bianca Belair winning the SmackDown Women's Championship. What a quick way to ruin a finish, by the way, to be like, your new SmackDown Women's Champion, not World Champion or... WWE world champion or whatever it has to be. You know, I hate that. That announcement just made me instantly go, oh. (laughs) But considering how much the fan base wanted these two to main event, how important it is for two black women to main event WrestleMania in the years, (laughs) this fucking year of all years, everything that's happened over the last couple of years, specifically in America, it felt so like i was teary-eyed in multiple occasions during this match dude the lack of story they were given the bullshit way we got to this match eventually you know like there's one great moment which is bianca belair winning the rumble fucking hell what a moment that was great that they gave us that everything else in between and before fucking awful for these two to then go into this moment with this pressure with this crowd and everything else that's happened on this crazy night of wrestling and to have me completely and utterly emotionally invested and to knock the fucking match out the park and tell the story that they told oh dude it's like the worst of circumstances and they completely fucking smashed it i was i was teary-eyed at the beginning teary-eyed at the end the finish is one of the greatest wrestling sequences i've ever fucking seen like it's rock austin wrestlemania 17 levels of reverse finisher sorry wrestlemania 19 finishes reverse finisher like sean and like you know austin at 14 as well like that finish like it's, it's that fucking good man it should go down history one of the greatest moments I will ask you a question because obviously you said it's one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Um, And as you said, the fact that if you think back to Mania last year, the only things I remember realistically from that Mania, other than um, the crazy 
terrible switching of the angle of the cameras where the Uso went off the ladder and they suddenly switched camera <laughs> and people had changed position. Sure. And a bit, a bit of bad cutting. Yep. My memory of WrestleMania 36 was Drew McIntyre reaching to the camera saying, thank you, thank you, I love you, I thank you. And that My standing own... on the turnbuckle moment holding the belt, I'll never forget that image. Yeah. That was cool. But other than that, in the last 12 months, as you said, the only thing I've remembered is Bianca Belair winning the Rumble and her facial expression after she won the Rumble. In 12... Oh, I'm sorry. And two wrestlers getting murdered at Money in the Bank. <laughs> being <laughs> yeah, thrown sure. off the top of the building. Yeah. But other than that... Ray Mysterio's eye, obviously. But these are all stupid moments, not yeah. great moments. You but, know? Other th- but only because you've prompted me to those. Right. In the last 12 months, there have been three memorable moments in this entire promotion. Drew McIntyre being fucked out of an audience because of a global pandemic. Sa- Bianca Belair winning the Rumble and this main event to go to show you how key it has been. And considering how poorly they started using Bianca at the start of essentially this season, from the start, the day after WrestleMania 36 up to WrestleMania 37, how poorly until the Rumble she had been booked to be able to go off and do things. And I ask you, because obviously I'm, again, in very much agreement with you, but I was struggling to list a better emotionally gripping main event from a WrestleMania that I couldn't remember anything topping this from emotion. I think, obviously, Dragon winning at 30 was emotional, but it was obvious it was going to happen because they would have had a riot on their hands in New Orleans had Brian not walked out with the belt. So it's so, obvious so, they were going to have the feel-good feel factor. But that was seven years ago. Yeah, sure. I think uh, Kofi and Dragon. But that wasn't the... the I, I'm going old school, closing the show, okay. main, main, main event. You could say Taker and um, Roman. Taker's retirement, well, meant to be. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. But at the moment yeah. of watching it, you feel like that's it. I got very, well, very emotional at the end of that match because I, of the retirement. The match itself was like, eh, whatever. You know? I'll always dispel that one because that was uh, four days after my daughter had been born. I was doing the night shift. So I was like, great, I'll just sit with her on my lap for till 4 a.m. And after The Undertaker, <laughs> after The Undertaker semi-retired, I said to my wife, right, I'm going to go to bed. She came down to take over looking after the screaming child. And she said, oh, before you go, could you turn that lamp on? And I was like, this standing lamp? I've lived here since 2011. I've never turned this lamp on. <laughs> I was like, we've never used this. Switch on the plug, reach my hand in to turn the switch. After just two seconds beforehand, passing the baby over to my wife, stuck my hand into where the light bulb should have been, thinking it was a switch, wasn't there, electrocuted myself to death, blew all the fuses in my house, had a smoke coming off my head. So in my mind, and also had a numb arm for five days afterwards. So I'll always remember that WrestleMania moment for the, had I been holding my child, I probably would have killed her. Curse of Taker, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) That lightning bolt came down into my house. Fuck, man. See thing is, with all these other moments and like these emotional things WWE kind of catch you with every few years or whatever, there's always a story behind it. With Dragon, it was, you know, the fans want him to be the guy. Vince doesn't want him to be the guy. We're going to force you to adopt the guy we want because we're going to fucking ruin your shows until you do. 
You know, there was like Undertaker, obviously, the long history there, Roman, the, this is my yard now, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? With Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, they had no fucking story beyond Sasha Banks is a good wrestler. She's had good matches in the past. Bianca Belair is a fucking awesome wrestler in a really short period of time. We want her to be a fucking star. Please put them in a match where we, they can show off what they can do. You know, beyond that, there is no story. And they managed to convince us right from the beginning of the match that they're both here and this means the world to them, which obviously was very, very genuine. But it's a story of Bianca Belair's strength and athletic agility versus Sasha Banks' knowledge and kind of almost veteran status at this point, even though she's a long way from retirement, obviously. You know, and to, to play off that narrative and to hit it with the amount of conviction without botching fucking anything and throwing, well, I can think of immediately five different spots that I would never forget, like the whole suicide dive, roll through, pick her up above your head, walk back up the steps, throw her in the ring. What the fuck? <laughs> like, how do you think to do that? That's incredible. Such such strength. And I tell you what, it's a real testament to people like TJ Wilson and Pat Buck, who have been producing a lot of these women's matches, to okay. actually basically turn around and go to the women, I think, what have you got? And tweak it slightly and have that firm belief in the women's division and if you think about the main breakout stars this company has had in recent times becky lynch charlotte flair sasha banks bianca belair Oscar. where are the male breakout stars yeah it's weird it's it's like roman reigns um. But, he's, but he's been, <laughs> but he's been at, on the top for a long period of time, and also yeah, he's. True. But it's weird. Not, he's only become a real star to me since he turned heel. Because that's how it should have been after beating Undertaker. Yeah. It's my yard now. Boo heel. Yeah. They should. They've have tried to there. make Drew a star, but they bailed on it so quickly, and they ruined that run. And the story was so terrible. Like they tried. I was, I was pitching for Bobby Lashley to win the Rumble this year. So I was like, what a fucking awesome story you could just have. Have Bobby Lashley with the Hurt Business as his kind of like Nation of Domination, DX style, heel stable, building him up, cheating wins wherever they need to. You know what I mean? It could have been such a good story. <sighs> but yeah, I know what you mean. It's weird, isn't but, it? I, I, but as for visuals and just that emotion when Belair hair whipped Sasha in the oh. midsection and just hearing that the crack of it I was and this has been like probably at half four in the morning I was probably my 18th snack at this stage and just wincing at that noise going fuck yeah and that being the lead into the finish so they know that they're gonna get that reaction from that crowd because they have held held off on that little spot for a while even though she used to do the hair whip quite a lot I think to then immediately go into your like five, six reversal finishing sequence because the crowd are going to be on their feet and popped and ready to go. Like that is that art of wrestling. The guys like Dragon, El Generico, Bret Hart get that people like Hogan Warrior don't get. You know what I mean? I'm I, I genuinely so happy that you listed Hogan and Warrior on one side of things and Bret, Dragon, 
and Generico as your three examples because Generico should be. Oh my god, hands yeah. hands down. Um, and we'll get to him on night two. But I've seen El Generico, also some guy called Sami Zayn, but El Generico in a hall in front of fifty people that have not given a single shit about any single match that have happened that night, be eating out of the palm of his hand two minutes into a match, and then held them there for another 15, 20 minutes. So that, that crowd went home going, that was the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen, without doing fucking anything. Like, he's that good. <laughs> he really is. But that, that, this comes to, like, the end of night one. So we got our... We didn't even get much of a pyro finish. We got some fireworks, and they cut straight away with Bianca with the belt. Every match on night one was under 20 minutes. And the fact that Bianca and Sasha could tell their story with no storyline in 17 minutes to make you invested, it was so good. And the problem is, and we're going to probably run through more of night two because it's a bit quicker than night one because night two yeah, was sure. shit. Yep. But you already knew that night two was going to be crap in comparison because one, we've got fans and it's new. So everyone's up for everything. Two, you've got an amazing opener with Bobby and Drew. You've got the workhorse match with Cesaro and Rollins, which could only be comparable to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on the next match. You've got the intrigue of almost debuting with AJ and the comedy there. Don't do it, AJ. I think you're doing <laughs> an injustice. Do I really no, no, think you're doing like two an injustice. The well, the booking at least. Oh, I, I'm like, not. The, I'm the not... setup of the matches. You look at things like my, my, I'm talking about Asuka, raw Apollo emotion, Cruz. raw emotion going into it because I was more mm. up for night one than night two. And yeah, the matches on night two should have been good, but unfortunately, there's always got that massive albatross of shit being the fiend versus Randy Orton would appear <laughs> at some point on that card, and you just know. No. I didn't. I really didn't. I, 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 a hundred percent. When it, uh, maybe this is me, like, like I was saying earlier, just going in with a positive attitude, trying to keep myself sane and trying to enjoy this very, very long period of wrestling that I don't particularly care about because the narratives aren't there. But I went into this opening match going, "All right, so we're having Orton and Fiend first. Mm, not sure about that, but because of all the bullshit they've been putting on television, this, this." You know, Randy Orton coming out and gunging all over himself, you know, and Alexa Bliss <laughs> turning heel <laughs> and the fiend being the fiend in the new gimmick and shit. What my assumption was, was that they were going to come out, they were going to start to do a match, something crazy would happen, the lights would go out, the ring would explode, etc, etc, and then we'd go into Firefly Funhouse Part 2. I was like, Couldn't do it. Couldn't this do is- it with a stadium. People aren't going to pay money to watch a video screen. Fuck those people. I don't care. That would be amazing. <laughs> it's the opening match. Who gives a shit? Right? You're like five minutes of Firefly Funhouse with Randy Orton and The Fiend. Think about it, dude. There is so much to play off with these two. And with Alexa Bliss thrown in as well. Jesus Christ, this could have been incredible. They the hadn't learned. The, they hadn't hold on, hold on. learned Let me get from the House of Horrors. Okay, okay. The fact that The Fiend walking out this fucking tunnel thing and his hey, mask went TNA. from crispy yeah fucking a went from this crispy fried fiend to oh it's just the fiend again instantly i'm like nope no 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 you can't take a story to that point 
burn a dude fucking alive on a pay-per-view have him transform a few months later into this new character then as he walks out for the match that you've set up the fucking story for be like huh he's the same as he was before like fuck you guys fuck all of you <laughs> like it was I the think worst referring to possible this crispy start. fried fiend is the best thing you've ever said on this podcast. Yeah, I want a, a, I want a zinger tower burger and a crispy fried fiend. <laughs> exactly. What the fuck are they thinking? Like this, the rest of the match is obviously fucking utter dog shit. Five match. minutes and yeah, exactly. Five minutes, bro. Five fucking minutes. You've got one of the greatest characters of this generation in The Fiend. One of the most established, easy to tell story gu- stories guys with Randy Orton. Think of the fucking backstory. You've got the talent of Alexa Bliss and the draw to young boys to see this amazing, gorgeous woman doing this goth character. You've got this giant box-like fucking structure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is wrong with them? And then you do a five-minute blow-off. Oh, RKO. Fuck you guys. Like, ah. Oh. You know what I, I should have so been? angry. The story should have just been Randy Orton did a shit in the Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> and that would be it. That would have been fucking hilarious. Randy <laughs> Levine walks out, opens his bag backstage as he's getting ready for his match. He's like, oh, that's a bit smelly. X-Park! <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but they haven't learned. that Randy Orton and The Fiend uh, and Bray Wyatt, they have never had a good match. It's never worked. They're just they're great individually, but together there's just no chemistry. And I think a, a lot of the problem leading into this match is that I get the impression, and you know, Randy Orton, everyone seems to think has changed, and he's earned his his right to be a bit of a dick. I think because Randy Orton's very much like this is horseshit. I am not going to be involved in stuff like this. It's telling that the one of their longest running feuds, as you said, is blown off in six minutes. Just have Alexa Bliss the next night introduce a new puppet. And if she's now going to feud with Bray Wyatt, (laughs) having the stupid... That's the biggest fucking problem of this, is that we've got no no sense of satisfaction because there wasn't any sort of element of actual blow-off to this match. It was just Randy Orton doing a Randy Orton RKO pinfall, like to the fucking fiend remember who hasn't sold shit who isn't meant to sell shit like that was the whole fucking gimmick of this new character and then what what are we left with we're left with randy orton in the main event scene no one wants to fucking see that we're left with the fiend potentially feuding with alexa bliss it did give us alexa bliss versus randy orton so everyone who wants been going about wwe doing intergender matches they got that kinda I just think that this was, they put themselves into a corner. Randy Autumn's like, what are we going to do next? We burnt him alive. And in fairness, that new burnt crisp one basically just looked like someone who dressed up as the Yeti had gone mouldy. Yeah, it was awful. Don't get me wrong. Like, the whole thing was fucking awful. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> but like, I can think of a million different ways we could get out of this better than the way they did it. It's Dog not fucking style. difficult. It's really not difficult. Give them a 10-minute match. Have The Fiend no-sell everything. Have Randy Orton low-blow him 50 times at the end of the match and pin the cunt. Like, you can still do what they want to achieve, even though it makes fuck all sense, but in a significantly better way. Like, this uh, whole... 
Oh, it drove me crazy. Anyway. I'd love it if you did that, if they did that ending, like Randy Orton went for 50 low blows and then Bray Wyatt pulled down his pants going, ah, Kendall smooth area. <laughs> you can't <laughs> hurt me. <laughs> Randy Orton whips off the mask and Bray's so worried about it, he covers his face. Randy pins him. There's a better finish. Hang on, have you been watching AEW this week? Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> but the point being that that was something that would be shocking. That would be something to talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what the fuck did they give us? <laughs> they just can't have these two together. They yeah. can't. And and I saw all the rumours online. Did you see everyone start jumping up and down going, oh, well, that doesn't look like The Fiend. That's a little bit slighter. I think that's Bo Dallas. Well, cuts. <laughs> no, <anymore>. that's not. <laughs> and, and also, I think people have started zooming in and seeing the tattoos on the back of Bray's neck and going, oh, maybe he's on these months he's been off work looking after his his child and not mm. being on TV. He's just been really working out to get ready for Mania, his six minutes of fame. Shock and fucking newsflash. Wrestler works out leading into WrestleMania. <laughs> well, let's move on from this horse shit and move on to this technical tag match. So Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, some of the worst fucking segments on all of WWE, these two. My hole! the fuck have they done with Shayna Baszler? Defeat Natalia and Tamina, who gives a fuck? Apparently the wrestling fans, apparently they went over by like nine minutes in this match. So fuck these people. <laughs> this was awful. <laughs> okay, yeah, agree? Yeah, I mean, I have, I have no interest in this. What they should have done, there was the no m- need to introduce NXT tag titles. They should have just let these women titles go down to NXT, lose them, and then forget about them. Yeah, fucking A. The, the, like, I want to defend women's wrestling, and I think they deserve decent tag teams in women's wrestling. WWE ain't going to be the one that books them, so who gives a fuck? Like, the, yeah, the meme... And when they do, they split them up. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, Jesus Christ, they fire them as well, mate. Fuck this company. So the, the whole meme of, oh, yeah, Tamina, we're going to get her over, like, on the internet fan base or whatever. Like, like, if we've got to the point where this is what WWE have come down to, meme getting someone over then I, I don't give a fuck like it's just not for me like other youtube channels i won't name them can go and do all the fucking crazy jokey memey shit they want and try and put wrestlers on tv that i don't give a fuck about i, I love wrestling this ain't it <laughs> no I, I there is a concept and an argument between putting natalia and tamina together because they're both strong women who've been in the wwe they've got heritage based on sorry they've got lineage 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 with their their fathers in the ring but again here's the thing which makes me sound really really heartless they go on about the lineage of tamina and natalia but other than influencing mick foley and being hit with a coconut by roddy piper piper that's that was the level of snooker's sort of top level involvement and jim neidhart was excellent in the heart foundation and he was very good in essentially the team canada but he's never been of that level. It's the same thing for Cowboy Bob Orton. At least Randy pushed on two main event. Sure. Nia Jax hurts people, but I think, again, she gets away of a lot based on who she is related to. And Shayna Baszler is legit tough. And I think, I, I wonder if they soured their opinion on her after her match with Becky. And they ruined her after the vampire bite into Becky Lynch's <laughs> neck last year in the run-up to Add it to the list. So. Add it to the fucking list, mate. Other bullshit Vince has gone, this would be a great idea. Good shit. <laughs> and it's fucking abysmal. But what is good shit 
is the the combination of what I thought would be the match of the night on night hold, two. Hold on, there's one other thing oh, I want to say about this. I have a real soft spot for Natalia. I think she's a very, very capable mother-esque figure to that women's division. I think she's an important person to have around. I like the idea of veterans being in your company that can guide anyone through a match. You need that to like have young stars coming through. She fulfills that role outstandingly well, okay? She will never be over with me because every single time I hear the of Bret Hart's music and then Natalia walks out and I go, oh, because <laughs> it's not Bret. And I would also say, again, I think she does a phenomenal job for the up-and-comers. But a controversial statement, she is not in the same league as Mickey James. Fuck you know. So, we get a Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match with Logan Paul involved. Okay, great celebrity involvement. Stuff at the end was fine. Match itself, good enough. You know, really, really fun. I never need to see this match again. I like the fact I've that seen can... it for 20 years dude I know but this is that this is the problem they've got they've picked it up and again I get the impression this is a very much a case of so what do you guys want to do at Mania and they've gone oh let's work together and I like normally when they go into this if this was blood feud like they had in NXT then I would have been all for it but as we've we sound like broken records are you, are, do you really no believe that though do you really believe that another blood feud between these two even though it's been settled 50 times already, would really make you care about it. I think if they'd been given control over what they did for their storyline, I would. Because I, I trust Generica and I trust Steen to be able to do good stuff. This was not a Sami Zayn-Kevin Owens match. This was a case of you two work well together, you've got good chemistry. Here's what you're going to do. And unfortunately, and again, people may disagree with this, Kevin Owens... Even last year's match with Seth when he went off the, the, the structure. Kevin Owens has never had a good Mania match. Mm, that match with Seth was good. I like that match. Sorry. Yeah, but I just, again, I can't I can't buy into anything in the PC with no fans. Okay, it just I didn't seem like wrestling. It was like stunt show for that. Here's a WrestleMania moment. Jump off the WrestleMania sign into Seth Rollins. I, th- I think the rest of the match is better than you probably remember it. Because by that point, probably a bit burnt out, I imagine. Because I think it was a night two match, wasn't it? It was. And that was also the same night we got Edge Orton. <laughs> yeah, that was a long one. <laughs> 48 90 minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the exaggeration, you got to love it. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think these two work really well together if they're allowed to tell the story. But they weren't yeah. allowed to tell the story. And then obviously you've got to factor in the celebrity involvement of someone being a 37-year-old man who doesn't frequent the internet too much. I can assume it's just a YouTube person. He is. He's a YouTube twat, as I described him. Great. Well done. Well, but again, specifically, someone asked, I think it was Luke, maybe Ollie, that asked on a WrestleTalk live stream, who is this Logan Paul guy? And chat was trying to explain. And my way of describing it to, I think it was Luke, was he's a YouTube twat, like you lot. <laughs> 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 so I think they liked that. So what is what it is? Um, it was, he sold the stunner well. I thought it was funny. He played the dickhead role quite well. You mean he, by the sound of things, he was himself? Yeah, pretty much, man. <sighs> oh, God. Okay, so um, I used to absolutely fucking detest Logan Paul. Don't hate his podcasts. I've watched, I listened to a few of them recently. It's 
quite entertaining. He's still a bit of a twat. It's not as bad as he was. I'll just say that. Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on to uh, another twat and Seamus. Yeah, so Seamus versus Riddle. You really, really hate Riddle. He's only got one name now, apparently, by the way. Which... Well, that's to, that's to <laughs> avoid people Google searching Matt Riddle is a rapist. And and instead of people Googling that, allegedly, now, go, oh, in your Riddler. opinion, my opinion, in your opinion, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. I'm just saying what some people might Google. They might even yeah. Google Seamus is a lovely chap. Yep, absolutely. Apparently, it's a bit of a bully backstage in previous years, but he does seem to have come good. Um, bit botchy this, wasn't it? No interest in this match whatsoever. They've had I mean, some fucking awesome matches on the TV shows, but they, they hit each other. The well, that's the thing. Yeah, they hit each other hard. I like that. Fuck Matt Riddle. I, I saw twenty of these matches on NXT during the week, though. Exactly. It's yeah. And even if you'd put this on night one, when I would be in, it. The I mean, the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn match was was fine. I like the two of them working together, but this put a massive roadblock in my enjoyment of the show. So we've already had the shit show of Randy Orton and The Fiend. We've already had the really, really uninteresting tag match that went on nine minutes too long. We've got a YouTuber taking center stage and now we've got someone who I really dislike and Seamus. It's just, it's grinding to a halt at this stage. Mm. So then we had uh, Big E defending the Intercontinental Championship against Apollo Crews. Obviously Apollo Crews won in a <clears throat> Nigerian drum fight. That's... How would have Michael Nee introduced this match? <laughs> <laughs> Torito. <laughs> just leave it there, shall we? Um. So, uh, yeah, six minutes. Um. One of the matches I was most looking forward to. Uh, didn't care about the gimmick. Uh, no one apparently knew what the gimmick was coming into this match. They just made it up at the last minute. Yeah, no shit. It's just shitty street fight, like hardcore match with a few drums at ringside. Like, how fucking dare you, WWE? <laughs> what I are you playing? These those... two work their fucking socks off coming into this match, and we're given fucking nothing. I'm immensely offended by Apollo Crews' gimmick, and some people seem to think it's okay. He's talked about how, like, ah, oh, it's his heritage, etc., etc., etc. I fucking hate it. I fucking hate the fact they found a black guy and went. Oh, you've got Nigerian heritage. Okay. Can you do a Nigerian accent? <laughs> oh, here's a spear, by the way. You fucking spear chucker. Like, what the fuck, Vince? You can't uh, do that, man. I also like the fact that clearly they were running out of props. And I was like, hey, Vince, we've got all these drums from Sting's entrance at WrestleMania 31 all those years ago. Should we use those in a match at Mania? Mm, what should we do? You know, you've got the spear fisherman. Which one? You know. The one you've been really racist with. Ah, Apollo. Yeah, that's the one. Um, should we give him drums at ringside? Mm, we can't call it a drum match. Let's call it a Nigerian drum match against a man who people at the tail end of 2020 thought was being primed for a singles push to go against Roman at this WrestleMania in Big fucking E. Fucking A. Yeah, should have been. Big E would be so fucking over right now. I wonder if they're just waiting to pull the trigger till they're touring and they've got fans Mate. again. They should they should have pulled the trigger, but this is the problem they we always buried see. him in six minutes on Mania. But that's not uh he didn't bury him. Remember Colonel Aziz came in. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this company, Jesus Christ. You knew it was gonna be bad when 
a few months ago, WWE filed for a trademark going like Colonel or Commander Aziz. Yeah. And at that stage, I thought, is this the Truth Commission coming back? Is Don <laughs> Callis coming back to run the Truth Commission? And the Forbidden Door really has been swung open. He's going to come back with Kurgan. Yeah. So in the big picture, I, I'm not objecting to Big E being an Intercontinental Champion, defending it at Mania, and Apollo Crews getting a push as a heel. I'm absolutely fine with that. Again, this is it's, it's like it's how people will defend it online. They'll be like, "Oh, but look, they're taking two black guys that WWE have been like been notoriously never pushed, and giving them these spotlights and giving them the the gimmick of his heritage and all this sort of stuff." And it's like I don't understand how other people can't see what's wrong with this situation. Am I mad? Are we mad? No, this is this is not right. Okay. So, speaking of shitty storytelling, Asuka defends the women's Raw Women's Championship in a singles match against Rhea Ripley out of fucking nowhere. Was this two weeks build? Well, Charlotte refused to play. And, be... <laughs> and they're like, have we got that, that, that one looks a bit like Charlotte? Isn't she like, you know, Aussie or something? <laughs> Should we put her in the match? Give her the belt. Fuck it. Oh, quick. Now we've got an Aussie. We can fire another two. Yeah, fucking hell. Can't have multiple people from different countries. One in, two out. You know how it goes. Brexit means Brexit. Yeah, exactly. It was at this point where I was like, okay, enough. Had enough. Don't give a fuck. Something went wrong with the stream as well for both the main nights of the main event. So I ended up having to fix those. So I didn't actually watch these two main events. So Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair and this triple threat for the the W. Was it Universal Strap? Universal Strap live because i was dealing with technical stuff but i went back and watched both the main events again obviously like literally before we started the stream today um this main event is fucking great man they did so much amazing storytelling um i really don't like the fact that they didn't put a baby face over in the main event of wrestlemania i think that should be part and part of the how you how you tell a story in wwe you have to they have to be the baby face company they're the but they did it night corporate. one they did it night one. They don't. I don't think to do that matters. I think they do. I think you have to end WrestleMania with the babyface winning. That's just like the old school wrestling fan inside of me. You know what I mean? It's Hulk Hogan wins the belt in the main event. Steve Austin wins the belt in the main event. You know, and going into this match, I was utterly convinced Edge was going to win because I, I, of the story they can tell. I just don't. I didn't see the point. Rome no, absolutely. So I Rome don't see so the hot point right now. I think the problem is. Had they not added Dragon to this match, I would have thought there was a chance that Edge could win. But the second they added Dragon into this match, it was a case of, no, it's Roman all the way. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually agree with you. Like, I, I kind of... <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I was saying the opposite of what you were saying, so it's weird for me to immediately be like, oh, I agree with you. Um, but Roman's had the best stories. He's had the best character development. He's done the best work for WWE. All, all fucking year long he's been the star finally like we've got this guy who's actually where he's meant to be doing the character he's always meant to be doing almost what it feels like and he's really fucking good at doing it with paul Heyman and jay uso potentially soon jimmy uso as well all involved in that storytelling it's been fucking outstanding the intelligent wrestling fan of me the guy that likes to think that he knows how wrestling should be booked and stories should be told and such 
agrees that Roman Reigns should hold the belt. He should hold it for five fucking years, in my opinion. They should break records with this guy. He is that good. But the story of Edge's big return and wanting a babyface to win in that main event of WrestleMania, so you get that pop, you get that moment for people to latch onto, to come to the next night, to see the celebration of that champion and such. You know, not not giving your casual fan base that real moment of just like pure elation and victory and it's the guy that we used to watch when we were younger look at him he finally did it after all the neck surgeries and everything else you know to me that's the moment you give them then the next night on raw you have roman come out and fucking bury him you know what i mean and i know that's so the problem the problem you've got there as you said the whole idea is that then you get the next night on raw to celebrate but they can't do that so why why do they end the best storyline they've they do done? That? Because there's no fans. Oh, you can celebrate without fans. Not really. The Thunderdome fans. It, and it wouldn't have the same pop and the same reaction. <laughs> so again, yeah, sure, if you're yeah. Edge coming back to win the belt that you've, you've won, yes, you get your fireworks at Mania, and then you get these celebrations in front of 300 computer screens. It's not the same. And like going back to Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns had the balls to turn around to Vince McMahon as the main event of WrestleMania last year to turn around and go, no, fuck you, it's not safe, I'm not coming to work. And they're probably saying, Roman, we need you to come back, we need you to come back. And Roman probably put his foot down and went, all right, I'll come back, but this is what I'm doing. And because he's been given that control, always again, it's amazing how these people seem to get over when Heyman's involved, but doesn't, and Heyman doesn't have to do a lot of the speaking. Yeah. Absolutely, but I th- I felt that because we had the two nights and we had the feel good factor on the mon- on the Saturday night with Bianca going over, I didn't feel we needed it two nights in a row because then it would have been a bit samey. Edge had there been fans, had there been fans, Edge would have won this belt. But the fact of the matter is that Edge has missed a lot of time this year, and then Vince McMahon has probably come back and gone. Mm, he looks a bit grey looks a bit old i don't want that as a face of my company also the rumors that he was like oh i don't know if edge can carry this which is bullshit because edge certainly can mm-hmm. let's truck dragon in there because again we've got to wrestlemania and we've not given dragon a storyline yeah it's you still there yeah i, I it's, it's okay, cool. sorry. I, sorry i'm i'm aghast basically like as you said this Night two was a one-match card. Yeah, absolutely. Night two was fucking dreadful. Apart from the main event, it was really, really fucking good. The actual match, the storytelling in it, the concerto build to the him pinning both guys is beautiful storytelling. The double spear spot, you know, the world implosion sort of concept of that. It was really, really fun. And having guys like Edge and Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns and their ability to convey emotion in the match is, is beautiful pro wrestling. It's really, really clever stuff. Um, it just didn't do a great deal for me in terms of narrative. I feel like we're exactly where we are now before the show, before Reggie's return, before we dragged Dragon into this storyline for some fucking reason. I guess so that Roman can pin them both and look amazing and, you know, have reasons for edge to look strong but not win and everything i get it i just think that in the long term not having your top baby face when you're match at wrestlemania maybe hurts the viewership and the momentum of the company a little bit 
But that goes back to what I was sort of on my soapbox around earlier. Doesn't matter anymore. It, yeah. It, it doesn't matter That's to such a shame, man. Oh, definitely. But I also think that you really do have to factor in the pandemic into this because if they were touring and they could gauge fans' reaction, I don't think Edge would have been anywhere near this main event. I still genuinely think if they were going their storyline direction, I still think they would have gone Big E versus Roman because I think the fan reaction would have been huge. Yeah, it could have been. I wonder why I, the guys like, you know, look down the list. Cesaro, Bobby Lashley, Braun Strowman, Damian Priest, Alistair Black, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Sheamus even, Big E, as you say. Maybe these guys would have been a, be- bit, a better solution to go up against Roman. Having Edge win the Rumble, hmm. unfortunately, because again, they need to sell. They needed to sell subscribers to Peacock. Who else is going to get that subscription rate going, rather than an established superstar from yesteryear to come against the mainstream, that male face of that company? Yeah, you've then got the backdrop of Sasha and Bianca on all the billboards and all the promo materials, which again is great. And again, we can't underestimate the importance of having those two in a main event at WrestleMania. But the pandemic affected this card. It was great to see fans. And obviously, WWE saying they're going to have 25,000. We're actually the same attendance both nights per sort of Wikipedia of 25, 675 on both nights. But as I said, for me, I like it being broken down because if, imagine if we'd had this as one whole show, these 14 matches and a couple on a pre-show. It would have been dirt because right. they, they wouldn't have let Roman main... They wouldn't have let Sasha and... Bianca main event this over Roman if it was a one night show, which would have been a travesty because that is, as sure. you said, the main event. Seven matches. Pick them. You've got one night of WrestleMania to book. Which seven do you take from the two nights? I would take Lashley. What's your, what's your opener? Go on. What's your opener? Oh, I'd, I'd still open with Lashley and McIntyre. Okay, cool. I'd close with Bianca and Sasha. Not Roman. Interesting. Okay. Nope. Where does Roman fit in? Well, because obviously, again, fitting if it's one night, you want your babyface champion going over. Okay, I agree, yeah. I'd again, for the for the draw, I'd take Bad Bunny as the celebrity match. So yep. that's my four matches so far. Before that, I'd have Roman Edge. Okay, that that's four, isn't it? No, that's, that's five. So I've got Bobby Lashley, I've got <laughs> Bad Bunny, okay. I've got Bianca Belair, I've got Roman Reigns. Four, okay. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, have, <laughs> I'd have Cesaro and Seth. Okay, yep, definitely. As my fifth. Two more. Oh. Take take AJ Omos and New Day. Go on, that's funny. That's oh, yeah, well, match. yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, I, t- I take that as my tag. <laughs> okay. And then, phew, I mean, it's much of a muchness, really. It's a, it's a bunch of shit. I'd, I can't take Rhea and Asuka because I've got Bianca and Sasha in the main event and there's no build, so I'd probably take Owens and Cesaro. Okay. Yeah, I think I take Apollo Crews and Big E, but I give them like you know twenty minutes and no gimmick. What about Commander Aziz? <laughs> Fuck that this shit. man! This man who we've never seen before—he wasn't in Raw Underground. He wasn't in the Greatest Royal Rumble ever in Saudi. After Apollo wins, wins clean, he can come out and raise him to the ceiling and beat our Big E a bit. There you go. He can be. He can be there. He can't just finish the match like that. <laughs> Unbelievable, Jeff. 
How would you rate? Okay, well, let's do each night's cornflake and a WrestleMania 37 overall as a cornflake rating. I think we have to, okay? Night one isn't solid four. It's almost five because of the general excitement of the process of, oh, shit, there's the weather delays. What the fuck's happening? What are these promos? And then that main event delivering to that standard. But the overall storytelling is not up to par to be five. It's a good four for me. Yeah, I'd agree with four because for me, it was all about the feels of that main event plus having fans. I mean, seeing those fans, those yeah. maskless super spreaders <laughs> was, was a thing of beauty. And also including my own level of stupidity um, in some of the opening matches when I saw like the upper deck, I was like, bloody hell, these fans should be really, really happy. They're out and about. Oh, they're cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> they were, yeah. <laughs> Swaying in the wind. <laughs> Um, some, of, some of them got a bit droopy towards the end because they were so damp you know? <laughs> but so I'd say four cornflakes for night one two, night two cornflakes for night two purely yeah. for on the main event yep two literally that is a that's a four maybe five star main event it's really fucking good but the rest of the card is utter dog shit in my opinion did not do what it needed for me Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn had a good match I like the Logan Paul stuff didn't give a fuck about the story. All the rest of the stories, the payoffs for the Fiend and Orton. You start any pay-per-view with the Fiend and Orton doing that as they did it. It's it's at the very most going to be a two, no matter how much the, how good the other matches are. It would have been a one if that main event wasn't there. But it's, yeah, it's there good, was no way of coming back from that opener. Yeah. So, just a quick one. Did you watch the Raw after WrestleMania? No, because I have better things to do in my life. I've never watched a worse wrestling show in our lives, and we've watched Five Star Rinker King. <laughs> How dare you say that about Rinker King? <laughs> I, I just can't express my frustration enough. You've got all these extra eyes in your product. You've got all these stories you've dumped in our laps after giving us no pill to it. And this is the utter fucking shit you deliver the night after. It's because on a pure <laughs> they don't care, yeah, no. It doesn't matter anymore. But on a purely creative sense of like taking pride in what you produce week to week as the WWE, the ultimate <laughs> the 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 uh what's it, the icon of pro wrestling using your fucking TNA words now. <laughs> to not have enough pride to give as anything as wrestling fans to latch on to and to oh it's just so bad dude i can't express how fucking angry i was i stayed up for three hours to watch that bollocks <laughs> i would have normally stayed to what stayed up or found a way to watch the mate the raw after mania but the fact that now smackdown is the number one show so and again smackdown was dog shit as well but again I play, into, I play into this. WWE know, as do a lot of wrestling promotions, whether it be top level or independent, when they start touring and going to shows again, they are going to sell out because people will want to go. And even if the show's shit, people will be happy to be there. So WWE, again, is going to get a booking grace period for another... I mean, they're not going to be touring until Q3 at the earliest. So there's rumours they're going to try and tour just before SummerSlam where they're going to try and again based on 
dirt sheet reports. Again, I definitely have no knowledge. I'm a compliance expert in accountancy software. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not in the business to know this in great deal detail other than looking at what their business model is from, from a business standpoint. But man, the fact that we've got to wait until July, August to get live fans back in, which again is the right call to do it when it's safe. Hands down, I'd rather people be safe and have a shit product for six months. And then I just, in my mind, and just, I know it's not right. And I know it's a stupid thought process. And I know I'm 100% wrong. But part of me is just really hoping WWE are going, look at these fucking awesome 12 months worth of storylines we've got written. We are going to wait till we have fans to appreciate the fantastic athletes that we have in our locker rooms the phenomenal women's athletes we've got in NXT that we can bring up to the main card, have a superb, even better than we've got women's division on the main roster. But we're going to wait till we have fans. Shall I stop? Sorry. And then Goldberg comes out and ruins it. Exactly. It's going to happen. Trust me. But that's what I, I hope. hope you're but right. I really, really hope you're right, man. That little bit you said about, um, how did you phrase it? Give me a second. About like you know people wanting to come see the shows because they're back live touring again. Like I'm, I'm really, really hoping you're right and that the fans do want to go watch these shows and stuff. People are invested enough to give a shit. But in the back of my head, there's that voice of pro wrestling fans from ten, fifteen years ago that were like, look. I know the product's a bit shit right now, but no matter how bad it is, wrestling fans will tune in night after night. And then look at the ratings from then to now. I'm really, really hoping that doesn't happen to their attendance of their main shows as well. Because if they start to hit the toilet as well, then where do we go? Like maybe this is the end, you know? Well, and again, because, you know, I've, we've got we've run long anyway and i've got to cut off in a minute because i've you know yeah, been cool. my new professional i've got to jump off to do some actual grown-up work mm-hmm. but i think the thing that concerns me most is that attendances are going to be down because you'd like to imagine that people are still going to be in these covid secure pods for the next six months minimum across you know their main territories the problem they've got Again, if they wanted to travel into Canada to do shows, and Canada, again, is seeing a massive rise in cases at the moment, um, it's going to be six months before they tour. And I suspect they're going to be in pods or some, some degree of segregation or limited attendance to get these events back going. So then, is WWE going to see there's any value in touring? And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, like if WWE come back over here to go and do a show, I love wrestling. I'm not going to waste any of my money going to watch WWE at the moment, even if it's just a night out, just to go, let's you and me go up to wrestling. Let's go and watch WWE. I would, and I will, it pains me to say this, I would much rather go and shit on an IPW show for 12 quid local (laughs) to home and say, no, it's going to be absolute bullshit and not be disappointed when it's full of shit rather than go and waste my money at WWE Raw to be frustrated in what it could be. I feel like doing like some sort of Tony Khan chant to finish this pod. <laughs> well, I I am holding judgment at the moment because obviously AW has been enjoyable to watch. It has been very, very enjoyable to watch. And I think that is a good thing for WWE. 
and it should be burnout. The... I'm waiting for that burnout with AEW where they just go, oh, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> you know, like WCW Bischoff, that burnout. But I think because of the people they've got involved, mm. I don't think they will. I hope not. I really hope not. God, it's it's a weird time. Like, sorry, I should friends on WWE. Um, we all want WWE to be good. We all want them to do well. But as you say, they're not getting my fucking money anytime soon. No. And the thing that pains me most of this, and obviously we were very much aware of AEW's touring schedule long before many people were due to our association with OWE. And obviously a lot of things that uh, Sean McMahon said were bullshit and he should give everyone their ticket money back. That he's Fucking A. I love how every pod we bury him at some point. Go on, keep going. But the fact of the matter is knowing that AEW were going to Wembley Arena as one of their early shows and they were aiming to do that in 2020 and that has always been the thing and Cody's gone on to say that. If AEW tour, they can have my money. I would fucking A. I would, I would go and get, I mean, obviously I've got my second vaccine books um, in June. I would go and do lateral flow tests before going up there. I'd do a lateral flow test at the arena and stand around in the pissing rain or snow for 45 minutes and I'd go and say AEW at this point in time. But WWE, if they said, you need to come up in the rain, we're going to be in Sheffield and you need to do a lateral flow test outside and you've got to wait until you get a, po- a negative result and then you can come into our shitty building and watch our below standard product, I'd turn around and go, no, nah, you're right. I'll just not watch it at home either. His first name is Tony. It's Tony. It's Tony. His second name is Khan. It's Khan. It's Khan. We really, really like him. We like him. We like him. Really, really love him. We love him. We love him. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to get overtaxed. <laughs> Where can people find you on social medias? Fuck progress fans. Um, you can find me at Fanboy Rich on Twitter. And all across WrestleTalk. Come watch my shit. It's fun. How about yourself? I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I hope in the near next few weeks to be doing commentary on some classic uh, all-star wrestling. So, so our lovely friends in Belgium, Pro Wrestling All-Stars, are going to be giving me some archive footage. So we're going to have another... Um, last on the past event coming on to powered four in the uh in the next coming weeks so i'm hoping to get the footage for that and uh so we'll be i'll be back in the booth uh enjoying some of the finest resting from europe well i'm done with wwe for another year i guess i'll probably watch the pay-per-views and i might watch a roar or two around SummerSlam or something but you know see you next wrestlemania i guess yeah good thing it's not your job <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um quick question which we'll do on the pod because I've got a few minutes. But are we going straight into our next series or are we going to be doing some Joshi Pro next week? Next week we'll be doing our... Which one was it? Remember the Dragon. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing Dragons, WrestleMania 30 run, right? Yeah. It's going to be awesome, right? Tune in next week. We'll start that. We'll actually work out what shows we're going to be doing before that. I promise. We'll announce it on the Twitter. At World of Rest Pod. Go follow us. It's lovely. Worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Find all your links. Go buy a t-shirt or a hoodie or something. They're fucking awesome. Cheap in the Unbox merch. And probably better. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got to penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you're talking. Wait just a minute. Get, 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 get